You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Friday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first topic and guest of today. Now, in the next fifteen minutes or so, we are talking about burnout in the workplace. Are, are you feeling stressed at work, and are you feeling drained or or exhausted? Well, you're not alone because burnout is officially a chronic workplace crisis, according to many in the healthcare profession. So, we're talking about this today on the program with Alison Halexa, who is a psychotherapist and head of corporate psychology at OTMP Mindworks. Welcome back on the program, Alison. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much, Noreen, for having me. We are on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see and also hear Alison there on Facebook as well. So first of all, what do we mean by burnout? Yeah, good good question, Noreen. I think important for us to zoom out, do big, do big picture and ask, what do we actually mean by the word burnout? So a lot of us are feeling it, but what does it actually mean? So burnout is kind of this crystallization of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion. And most people feel burnout when they have excessive or some sort of prolonged feeling of stress. So people often think about burnout as being like a, an extreme form of overwhelm, feeling that sense of just emotionally being drained and feeling like no matter how hard they work, they just cannot catch up and they can't meet the constant demands of what's in front of them. So what causes burnout? Overwork, not enough time, too many projects, juggling too many balls. I mean, what is what are some of the causes that you've seen? The causes. You know, it's it's interesting when most people come to me either as clients in the clinic or my corporate clients, um, a lot of them think that it must be just, you know, the root cause must, must just be work. When in fact, when we look under the hood, Noreen, most of the time it's multifactorial. So the sense of burnout, yes, people are often saying my workload is just too much, but there's often more than just the workload. So people feel, you know, the pressures of the the demands at home. Sometimes people feel burnt out by financial pressure, by familiar pressure. So it's usually multifactorial, but majority of time when people come to me and say I'm burnt out, what they're saying is work feels like too much, but when we dig deeper, we find it's usually more than just the work. There are other things as well, family pressures, other commitments. So how do you yes. spot some of these signs of burnout? Because burnout just sounds so severe. It's like I, I yes. envision a candle being burnt out and there's nothing left. But So how do you spot these signs? Yeah, and, and you're right. It is It is something that we do actually need to take seriously because it can be physically and emotionally quite extreme. So I try to work with Noreen people in the corporate setting and also in the clinical setting to make sure we never get to that point of burnout. But your question is a good one. How do we spot it, right? So if it's starting to show up or if it's fully manifest, what does it look like? So some of the signs that I tend to look out for are related to people's, um, first and foremost, appetite and sleep, right? So some people, when they're burnt out, they can't really eat much. They just feel really overwhelmed. Eating seems inefficient. They can't really sleep much. Sleep feels very disturbed. They're, they're constantly thinking about things. They also feel like sleep might be inefficient use of their time. But the other side of the coin is sometimes when people are burnt out, they eat too much, right? They're kind of eating their emotions 
soothing that emotional load of the burnout. And some people, when they're burnt out, will actually try to go into some kind of hibernation, right, with their sleep. So appetite and sleep, we want to see what's been the move away from the baseline. Is it much more or much less than usual? Mm. Also, things like your interactions with other people. So looking at your interactions with coworkers, family members, friends, if you have children, and just starting to notice, is your fuse a little bit shorter? In other words, are you irritable at all? That's one of those signs that burnout might be showing up or is manifest. Now, in the workplace and also in other spaces, I tell people pay attention to reduction of focus. So when people are burnt out, right, we said part of that is that sense of overwhelm. And when we're overwhelmed, we just can't simply focus as well. And with that, Noreen, obviously a decrease in focus is going to lead to a decrease in productivity. Some other things I tell people to pay attention to are, you know, any increase in substance use. So people often try to self-medicate burnout with substances, right? They're drinking too much or, do, or using other substances as a form of really trying to temporarily escape the pain of the burnout and try to just leave reality for a little bit of time with the substances. Another thing, right, is just for people to pay attention to how does burn, how does burnout show up in our bodies? In other words, those aches and pains that we're feeling might be our body's way of saying, pay attention, right? I'm overwhelmed here and just please do something to reduce this overwhelm because I'm starting to get burnt out. You pay attention, right, with your body with things like headaches and stomach aches. Um, you know, the number of, of referrals this year from gastroenterologists and neurologists I've gotten is just through the roof because the burnout, right, for some of us, is just going to be the, our bodies fighting back and telling us, please no more and please do something to reduce this overwhelm. Yeah, absolutely right, Alison. We often hear how your body, how these things manifest itself into headaches and stomach pain. Yes. That's why when people have this sort of um, nervousness and they get tummy aches as well, but it's actually a, a form of stress and burnout. I was looking at some of the statistics. Uh, it varies, but a lot of the statistics I've read actually points to that about 70%, about two-thirds of full-time workers will be dealing with some sort of burnout at some point of, of their career. Yes. I mean, you, you must work, I mean, you see a lot of clients at the clinic and also employees at corporations. Um, do you see a lot of them experiencing burnout these days? Absolutely. So I see two sides of the coin, right? So the people right now who are unemployed and just feel completely overwhelmed and burnt out by, you know, financial responsibilities, familiar responsibilities, burnt out by trying to look for work, by trying to really reinvent themselves. And I'm also seeing the other side of the coin where people are completely overworked, right? So a lot of places are under-resourced. There have been major cuts. And so regardless of where you are right now, whether you're in the camp of being employed or not employed, I'm seeing a tremendous amount of, of burnout. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about ways to 
Uh, actually, before we talk about ways to treat, yes. are there different stages of burnouts? I mean, you mentioned just now it's important to pay attention to sleep and to pay attention to, to eating habits. Are there different stages of burnouts? At the beginning of a burnout, are you still sort of high functioning and, and able to hide these sort of signs? And it's, it's sort of eventually, you know, you can't hide it because you're constantly exhausted, you're irritable. Are, are there different stages of, of, of this burnt out um, phenomena? Absolutely. So there are many different models, Noreen, in, in the corporate space to kind of measure burnout and also in the medical space. And one thing that I find is really helpful is to break it down more in the medical sense by asking when when you're in what's called the prodromal state, in other words, before symptoms are actually manifest and when you're in the symptomatic state. So the prodromal state Paradoxically, Marine, some people actually feel kind of bursts of adrenaline or bursts of energy, and they sort of feel like they need to conquer all their work or conquer all their responsibilities. And then what they're often met with is a crash. So what I would say to people is when you're in that state where the symptoms are not fully manifest, but you're starting to understand that what's in front of you does feel overwhelming, right? When you feel that overwhelming sense of stress, that you start to take action before things are fully symptomatic. So yes, there's that before things are fully symptomatic, there's the symptomatic stage, and then there's that point at which it's full on burnout. And so the management of it looks very different depending on which stage you're in. And I work with people obviously very closely to try to make sure we don't allow it to get to the symptomatic stage because that's when your body will fight back that's when your mind will fight back. And that adrenaline rush you might have felt in the beginning will likely look more like a, a pretty severe crash and that will shut you down often. Mm. Well, let's talk about how, how should we treat and how should we respond to burnouts? Yeah, good question. So some of the things that I usually work with people on is to first start to ask why, right? So before we get to the how and the what, in other words, how do we respond? What do we do differently, right? How do we make the burnout start to go away? We have to ask the big question of why, right? And so in the beginning, Noreen, I was saying that a lot of people identify root cause of burnout as being rooted in work, right? So people come to me, they say, "Uh oh, I think I'm getting burnt out or I'm burnt out. It must be my workload. And while work does often play a big part in burnout, I really get people to step back and say, why am I actually burnt out, right? What are, what are the root causes? So that's the first point, right? Which is like, how can I answer the why and then get to the how and the what? Now, in terms of the how and the what, some practical things. So one is to really step back and assess how you're spending your time. Because one of the things that I hear often when people are really in the grips of the burnout, right, they are under its control, the burnout has almost become like a cult leader, they will tell me till they're blue in the face that they must do as, as much as, you know, whatever's in front of them, right, almost like a mandate that they have no agency, no sense of influence in their life. What I try to do is step back and say, okay, let's, let's take a look at how you're actually spending your time are there things that, sure, it would be nice to get done, but actually you'd be able to delegate to someone else versus what are the necessary things that really must get done by you and you only? Mm -hmm. The other thing is that I try to get people to move away from the idea of perfectionism. 
So I work with people very closely to get them to be able to ship their work into the world, right, to get stuff done. So I'm not telling people not to be productive, but I try to get them to reduce the grip on perfectionism because that's a that's a very intense kind of ugly layer often with the burnout. And what I also do with that in terms of looking at people's time management is to think about, okay, what are your values and your priorities in this one precious life that we have? And does the way that you're spending your time actually match what's really important to you? And oftentimes, Noreen, what I find with people when they're getting to that burnt out stage is actually the way they're spending their time has very little to do with what they value in life and what their priorities actually are. Another thing is protecting self-care very fiercely, right? And self-care, I don't mean anything, you know, narcissistic or, you know, fancy bubble baths or trips to spas. For some people that might be great and, and I would celebrate that. But what I mean with self-care is just any kind of investment, right? A consistent investment with your time that is spent on some kind of emotional, physical, social, spiritual sense of well-being, right? Making sure that you feel anchored and ready to actually do whatever it is that you need to get done. Another big partnering with burnout is having people have just clear, healthier boundaries. This is a huge one. Mm. Um, and usually this starts off with the question when clients say to me, well, you know, what do we even mean by boundaries? So when we talk about burnout, there's often a separate conversation that happens, which is like, what, what, what do you mean by boundaries and how, right, how might that actually diffuse the sense of burnout? And the connection is direct. The healthier people's boundaries are, the lower risk they are of having burnout. So that is something I, I would want everyone who's listening today to take very seriously is some sort of assessment of your boundaries. You know, what's your relationship like with emails, with texts, with meetings, with so-called energy vampires, right? People who just suck the energy from us. Interactions with people. Do you have any sense of, of boundaries and your time off from work or your time off from from certain activities? And finally, again, another obvious but important one is just seek some sort of support. Often with burnout, right, we get people just at that end stage where they almost want to crawl into the clinic, right? They almost feel like they can't get up and, 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 and really move much. And so I tell people, don't suffer in silence, right? Right when you think that there might be a sense of burnout on the horizon or, or, or even before then, just tell someone. So seek support with your family, your friends, counseling, you know, going to talk to your GP if you have a good relationship with your family doctor, some other kind of professional support, pastoral care, but just seek support because most of the time people are burning out in silence and they just don't seek the support that really is out there. Absolutely. Well said. And sometimes uh, in echoing what you're saying about boundaries in saying yes to someone, you're probably saying no to yourself. And that can be quite yes. detrimental. Finally, um, yes. Alison, I know you work with a lot of corporates and, and corporations yes. as well. So how can how can managers or how can um, yeah, how, how do you support employees experiencing burnout? <laughs> because frankly, maybe the managers themselves are feeling a bit burnt out themselves. But you know, what sorts of measures and what sort of protocol should there be in place to support support employees who may be, you know, experiencing burnouts? 
Yeah, it's a good question, and I think a particularly good one right now, Noreen, because it used to be right that managers or leaders in corporations could kind of hide behind this veil. So even if they were feeling burnt out, they, they didn't want to feel vulnerable in front of right the general employees coming to them. So the burnout that belonged to the general employees had nothing to do with them out in the open, right? It was it was their stuff. It was things that you know those kind of people dealt with. And the good thing with COVID is that it's brought out into the open that actually all of us are at risk for a burnout, right? Nobody is immune to this potential. And so first thing I would say is for corporations to take really a sobering view of the workload that people do have, right? So when I work with corporations, I I work with a two-pronged approach, Noreen. Um, Yes, I'm a therapist, but I also work from a very practical perspective. So there are the practical things I try to get companies to do to respond to the burnout, which include things like maybe reorganizing some of the culture at the company, right? Do they promote this idea of burnout, essentially, right? Is sometimes that it's, made exactly. something that's that's kind of celebrated, usually not directly, but in, in indirect ways. Um, practically, what are people's workload? Do people have ways of understanding how to delegate work? Do people have ways to seek support through various insurance avenues or through HR or support uh, groups? And then there's the more emotional bit that I try to work with um, employees at, at corporations at, which is like, you know, where where is the space to tell the truth about how you're feeling? And it is never my job to make a workplace into a group therapy setting, right? So I don't go in and, and tell everyone to just break out into their feelings left and right. There is work to be done, right? We do sometimes need to put our head down, but at the same time, that if people are suffering in silence and there's no space to talk about their feelings um, and it's sort of suppressed, then in the end, it spells disaster for the company because the focus goes down and the productivity goes down. Absolutely. So how do I respond? I respond with both practical, let's look at what the work is, let's look at the expectations, let's look at the culture, and also from the emotional way of like, let's take let's take a pulse check, right? Like how how are people feeling right now? And again, the good news right now is we have a tremendous opening to ask this question and to provide, you know, some solid support. Well said, Alison. Remind our listeners once again, have you got a website or social media that we can follow uh, you and your work? Yes, absolutely. So you can go to www.otnp.com. So that's www.otandp.com. And MindWorks is the dedicated therapy clinic at OTMP. Excellent. Well, Alison, Alexa, thank you so much for your time once again today. Uh, really pleased you, you can come on. And uh, Alison, Alexa is a psychotherapist and head of corporate psychology at OTMP MindWorks. And I'll speak to you again very soon. Thank you very thank much. Thank you today. so much, Noreen.